Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Recorded live. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the BlackScienceFictionSociety.com website. Join it. Send your friends. Great great content there and some wonderful people. Uh, my name is William Hayashi. I'm your host for tonight. And our special guest is uh, Thomas Johnson II. He, he, his father was so good, they had to make another one. That's how good it was. And uh, he's an artist. Um, he's also... He's doing some pretty cool, innovative things. He's having fun doing 3D printing, which is the hot thing in technology these days, but a lot of people don't know what it's good for. I mean, it's obviously good for a lot of medical things. They are making um, replacement ears and noses and vaginal tissue and and even valves for the heart. Over in Germany, they're printing um, jet engine nozzles. So they're printing out of metal. And McCormick Place here at last year's auto show, they printed a complete 3D car. Um, and uh, all they had to do was add the electric engine and the wheels. So 3D printing is pretty cool, but, but he's an artist extraordinaire. He has an underutilized uh, Twitter site, and we'll get into that because it's only underused because he's new. Um, and, uh, you know, apparently uh, Jarvis loves the hell out of him. I like him, too. I've seen him online. Um, welcome to the show, Thomas. And if you prefer Thomas, Tom, what would you like for me to call you? Um, whatever easy for you, whichever one. Okay. And then um, where are you coming to us from? Uh, Detroit, Michigan. How's the weather up there? Uh, pneumonia class. We just yeah, oh, now it's uh, raining. <laughs> oh, see, yeah, that's and, – and you know what's funny – here in Chicago, this is what I see. You know, it'll be it'll be you know really really cold, sub zero temperatures, things like that. And the first day it gets maybe into the 20s or the 30s, um, uh, white people are out there running in their shorts. I don't understand it myself, but hey, if it works for them, that's fine. Um, and did you grow up in Detroit? Yes. Uh, so you're a lifelong uh, uh, resident. And and when you were growing up in Detroit. Uh, were you in the interior of the city or one of the uh, collar suburbs or what part? Oh, definitely the interior. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, pretty much like, uh, where did I grow up? It was when, we, when I first, that I can first remember, I know we were on the border of a city called Hamtramck. Uh, okay. That was as far back as I can remember when I was a kid. And then sure. I remembered we were further from there, uh, deeper into the city off of a street called uh, Van Dyke. Okay. Um, then we we moved from there, and then we were closer to a, to the main one of the main streets called Gratiot. Mm-hmm. And, and your neighborhoods, how were they in terms of schools and stuff? Do you think you had what we would consider, you know, as black folks, a pretty standard upbringing, or 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 how was that? Oh, definitely. During my time, which was a while right. back, <laughs> um, yeah, we had uh, teachers that were, you know, that got involved with you, you know. Uh, they made sure that you were doing your homework. Your parents were notified when you weren't. 
Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was almost one of those times where when you got when you got in trouble, you got in trouble by everybody. Uh, the oh man, I hated that. <laughs> yeah, I hated that. If I was acting a fool out in the street, you know, like three times on the way home, I'd get cussed out, and by the time I got home, my mother knew about it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> man. Um, yep. And and so, uh, well, just to let people know, you're an artist, um, and and you've done some extraordinary work, uh, a lot of really good work, you know, ro- robotic type themes. Um, and, th- and things like that. Although, you know, when I look at you, and you also have a website, I'll tell everybody where they can go for, uh, is this is this the, your first book, only book? What is it? Um, what it is is it's a combination of things because I kind of got scatterbrained with it being the first one. Okay. It was originally starting off as um, a book, just one thick book with okay. every book, every mech that I drew, and I had stories behind each one. Uh-huh. The problem that turned out was I had stories, but then I, did, I realized I didn't have any characters. So <laughs> I had to start getting characters uh, designed and everything. Then I said, uh, I don't have the storyline really written out. So right. I had to start doing that. And then it started to evolve into getting bigger and more pages. And, uh, you know, as I started to meet more people, it began to develop even further and further until where... Now I'm still doing it to where, at one point last year, I was going to do a kick. I started a Kickstarter for it, and it was mm-hmm. going to be a hard copy, hard cover, and everything like that. And when I saw the amount I was getting for the Kickstarter, I pulled it back because it was a small amount, and I said, "You know what? I'm I'm asking for too much, and I'm not giving enough from what I'm looking at." And I said the pages were kind of blank. You know, it was like you see one character, then it's white background. You see the stats. I get you. I get you. And I said, I want to get oh, a little be- bit more. Yeah, yeah. before you go any further, uh, for those of you, I dropped the link in the um, in the chat room, but for those of you picking this up as a podcast, it's Raxon, R-A-X-O-N, UniversalDominion.com. All one word, no periods, no underscores or anything. RaxonUniversalDominion.com. Check it out. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, no problem. And, uh, you know, where did I leave off? <laughs> I know I can ramble. Well, you were, uh, you were talking about that you didn't think your, your explanation was populated enough to generate the interest that you wanted to get. Right. And so I went back, you know, I withdrew it, went back to the drawing board, and originally I was going to have a comic inside of it. But uh-huh. then when I looked at it and I said, you know, I started speaking with uh, Tyrone Jackson, who's a good friend of mine, who I found thanks to and, Jarvis on the uh, Black Science Fiction Society. <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, we got to talking, and he said, why don't you just do a... Uh, why don't you just make some comics? And I had mm-hmm, always mm-hmm. thought about that, but I was always afraid. And so he kind of, you know, gave me the, the kick in the butt I needed to go ahead and do it. And next thing I know, I'm whipping out my stories left and right, and it's like cause they were in my head for so many years, and to the point where I'm at number 12 right now as far as comic books. That I'm Nice. What, what were you scared of? Out. I don't know. It was like I haven't, I haven't drawn a comic since probably the 80s. Okay. And it was like, you know, and even then they were just mediocre. I mean, my skills have improved since then, but I was never really good at drawing people, so that was always a thing of holding me back a bit. My father knew how to draw people real good, but right. I never could, but I was always good at drawing robots, uh, creatures, and everything like that, structures and everything. So I, I, was, I was always uh, nervous of that. 
and mm-hmm. I let mm-hmm. fear, you know, control a lot of things. To and then you know, life kicks in. You know, you're going to work, just life right. in general, doing stuff, and time goes past. And so then it was like, uh, you know, okay, I, I'll do it. So I started storyboarding out my uh, my comics and everything. Then I started finding uh, different commissioners who can uh, draw it the way I wanted it drawn, you know, the way sure. I needed it to be seen. And, you know, when I started doing that, it was like, wow, okay. Now it, I, done, I went on ahead and done the first comic. I haven't released mm-hmm. it yet. But I said, you know what, start pulling them out of my head. You know, because I've had them in there for decades. Let's go ahead and uh, start putting them on paper. And like I said, before I know it, I'm at number 12, and I've still got uh, tons to go. But 12, I said I was going to plan on releasing for uh, 2016, along with the main thick book, which is going to be like a source book. Mm-hmm. Which will have, mm-hmm. you know, the basic information on everything that's going on. So that if right. you don't see the comic book, you can pick up that book, and it'll still have, uh, you know, it'll still show about the comics and telling about them where you can find out little, you know, the stories and seeing everything in action. So, yeah, Very it, cool. it's now, a life of its own. <laughs> yeah, now you mentioned that your dad was an artist. When you were coming up, you know, when you were younger, were, did you draw a lot, and did you draw with purpose? You know, obviously, kids, all kids draw if they have the opportunity. You know, if they're not, if they're not in such a disadvantaged position where they can't even afford to draw, but, I mean, when you were coming up, um, it, was your dad a, a professional artist? No, but you would have thought he was. <laughs> because he of how draw, good he was? Yeah, yeah he, he could draw really, really good. And uh-huh. I always like to watch him draw because he had and, a, a unique style the way he did it. Yeah, and, and apparently that inspired you, right? Oh, definitely. Definitely. He was the so biggest I, inspiration for me. Yeah, and then when um, when did you start? I mean, really, really kind of putting your nose to the grindstone. When oh. you, where you started hitting your, you know, not not so much the the commercial part, but where you started as as a younger person hitting your creative stride. I would say it was probably uh, middle school, between my okay. seventh and eighth grade. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. When I really started. Uh, doing a lot more, you know. It's the you know back in those times you had Voltron, Thundercats, all of those in the '80s that were going on, and I started. They were like big inspirations for me, so I started drawing those, and to where I was drawing my own little my own little stories of my own little characters in middle school, mm-hmm. and even friends of mine would say, "Hey, can you draw me this character? Can you draw me that character? Ooh, can I get a copy of that?" And at those mm-hmm. times, I didn't have no copy machine, so I had to draw them a whole nother uh, of the exact same <laughs> way, <laughs> which got tedious, <laughs> but, you know. Did it you was, charge any money? You know, I didn't even think about it at that time. I probably said, uh, give me a milk or something. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. Well, you know, I just wondered if you were, you know, exploiting this commercially um, <laughs> really early. Um, and, and so your dad's, your dad's an artist, not necessarily, you know, a professional artist or anything, but I would imagine there was probably some decent encouragement from him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, when I used to, the way he drew and the way yeah. I drew were two different styles. But right. I, when I started watching how he was drawing, I started to adapt his style and combine his with mine. And uh-huh. actually, it's the same style I actually use to today. So it's like Long me, yeah. I, well, it's yeah, harder for me to draw on well. a computer. Yeah, 
I, I like to draw like on paper, and I draw on just about anything. You give me a piece of uh-huh. paper and pen or pencil, and I'm just drawing all over the place. <laughs> and you know, when well, let's get let's get a little past middle school. I mean, did this did, did this skill that you were obviously developing very seriously for yourself? Um, where did it, where did it take you as you got older? Well, in high school, and this is really showing my age and just how far the fact this project goes in high school is pretty much when I actually got started when I when my skills got a, a lot better uh-huh. and that's actually when I actually kind of started the Rexon was when that was probably like 1989 mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. I started drawing a lot of that and then from like 89 to like 94 is when it was really I was really going crazy with it you know, I was drawing ships, vehicles, uh, body armors, all of that. And mm-hmm, I was mm-hmm. really going full steam ahead with it. And my mom even got me a application for uh, Disney at one point. And they said, you know, you submit in your drawings, submit in some of your drawings and everything. And uh, I submitted some of mine in. You know, they sent me back a letter saying, uh, yeah, your your stuff is nice, but it's not the direction we want to go in. Easy way of saying, uh, yeah, you got some crap we don't want. But well, no, I mean that's not. I mean, I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say that. Let me tell you why I think that. You know, we 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 have cycles of saturation. Okay, like like the the our current saturation cycle is vampires. All right? right. You know, everybody everybody's doing that. You know, that's that's a, and and you know when you talk about mid eighties, late eighties, going into the early nineties, there there were you know. W- there were so many like projects that I could see Disney not wanting to look like they're copying. But I don't think that in, in any way their rejection diminished what you might have been doing. I, obviously, I haven't seen what you were doing. But, I mean, you had, you had Gigantor, you had Astro Boy, you had all of the Japanese stuff that was coming over. You know, there was a whole lot of robot-based stuff. And, you know, Disney wants to think that they are, you know, they are trendsetters. And uh, oh, and and yeah, I remember what game did I play? To de- oh, Mech Warrior. Mm-hmm. You know, you you had you had all of these tie-ins. You had all of these. You know, video games were really picking up right. right then. And and so you know, if they say they were going in another direction, man, I would not in the least, looking at what you do now, would have considered your stuff to be substandard. Just maybe just out of out of that 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 creative cycle because it was oversaturated, um, and and so as you're looking at what you're doing then, were you thinking in terms of being creative to the extent that you were going to be able to distinguish your work from other people in the genre, or were you kind of looking and seeing what the landscape was like? You know, where was your head at then that made you persist? In um, in pursuing what 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 had originally excited you. The funny thing about that, everything uh-huh. you just said, it was them saying the rejection. You know, it kind of it didn't push me in the opposite direction of saying you know, or the direction of saying you know, I want to just give up on it. It yeah, pushed me in the fair. direction of saying uh, you know what, I'm just going to do better. Right. You know, and from then on, I started. Uh, you know, uh, looking at my drawings, trying to fix them up, going over older drawings, going back and revamping stuff, you know, and trying to recreate everything. 
and sure. doing it just doing it better, you know, as I was getting better and uh my skills. And so, you know, actually with with them saying no, it actually gave me the encouragement and the kick that I kind of needed to uh-huh. really uh get me to 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 go further because it was it was one little point you know I was I was I was sad about it you know and it was a a, a hit but it was also a wake up call because you know my parents were like you know it's not the end of the world just because they said no doesn't mean other people won't say no and mm-hmm. that kind of gave me encouragement as well and I was like oh yeah well there are there are other people out there you know and my father always said well you can be one of those people you know if you choose to and. You know, it was there with me, and it always stayed with me. You know, mm-hmm. like I said, life just kicks in at times, and sometimes you got to put stuff on the back burner, you know, and take care of responsibilities. You know, got to work, got to eat, got to pay bills, you know. So, Well, you know, the tendency is, and, and this is for most creatives, and, and I know people are going to argue with me, and they're going to talk about, you know, their bluster and how they were sure that they were going to be this, that, or the other thing. But as a creative, it's very hard to separate, you know, criticism from oneself. You know, when people get criticism for their work, many, 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 the majority of people kind of take it as an invalidation of self, like they are not worthy, rather than, well, maybe I could go in another direction. Or like you, I'm just going to try harder, you know, to hell with them, Um so, I mean, it's good that you did that, but I think that one of the crucial parts, it sounds to me like, you you really had a great supportive family. And yeah. that, you know, you can't you can't diminish that at all. That is such an important thing because, you know, who who are your first heroes? You know, your parents, you know, what they do. They, they're like, you know, they're almost like superheroes in your life until you reach a certain age when you want to go, man, my dad doesn't know jack. And then 20 years later, you go, man, that was a smart mother. That was a very intelligent man. So, you know, we go through these phases. But, I mean, it's kind of cool that you turn that, and, and that was in your teens, right? You turn yeah. that that rejection into a call for action, you know, a clarion call for you to do better. Um, what uh, and, and so as you were refining, and it sounds also like you kept a lot of your work. You kept up with your work. You 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 didn't throw anything away. As you were refining, what were the changes that you saw most in in how you were doing what you were doing? Um, a lot of it was, you know, putting more effort into it, and not and trying to treat it more like something serious versus just just something to do when I'm just bored. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and I started, you know, starting to look at. You know stories and everything, and I start, and, you know, I started really looking at my drawings and saying, you know, I love to see that on TV, you know, and I, and that's when I really started getting engrossed into them, of yeah. wanting to see them more, you know, looking at shows like Battlestar Galactica, you know, the ships mm-hmm, and everything, mm-hmm. and I said, I'd like to see mine like that. I'd like to see a model of mine like mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. on TV, you know, or in a movie. So right. I started, you know, playing around with stuff. You know, the the unfortunate, well, I ain't going to say the unfortunate. The funny thing is I never got into different kinds of art tools, like pens and different pencil sizes and everything. The most art tools I ever used was a ruler and a, mm-hmm. a uh, let's see if I'm saying this right, a protractor uh, and a pencil and pen. You know, I only used them for just to get straight lines, but when I started learning, when I really mastered the style between my my father's and my own, I started being able to draw straight lines, 
you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. almost as straight as I can get them without having to use a ruler. You know, because I said I'm not always going to have a ruler. So I just started refining a lot more and, uh, reinv- you know, reinventing myself and, you know, really starting to really grow up trying to become a man, you know, to say yeah. uh, I got to get this stuff. It's not going to just pop out of the woodworks, you know, on me. So it's got to get done one way or another. So how is it going to get done? Somebody's not going to just be saying, oh, well, there goes Thomas stuff. Let's, uh, let's give him a movie deal or, yeah, let's put his cartoon on TV. You don't have a cartoon. You don't have a. You don't even have a storyline yet. So, those things popped in my head, and also reality checks from my father was saying, you know, you gotta if you want those things, you gotta put it together. You know, it's like first time me and him bought a model kit. It was like mm-hmm. you put it together. He said, no, that's for you to put together. You want to play with it, learn how to put it together. And I took it out the box and read the instructions, had everything, and he sat there and watched me put it together. And he was like, was that hard? And I said, no. So, you know, it just, it began to develop more and more, you know, so I started mm-hmm. looking at the things from the past and incorporating them into the future and just moving in that direction. Not as fast, but, you know, a lot cautious because I said I, I wanted to make sure that if I did something, I did it right and, you know, do it right or don't do it at all, kind of. So yeah, yeah. it, it kind of went into that direction. So, you know, like I said, just been refining everything and then putting you know, taking thoughts out of my head, putting them on paper, looking back at them. Ah, this could be fixed. These lines are a little crooked. And just holding on to everything. And Mm -hmm. I I lost a lot of drawings, actually, from a fire we had. I lost a ton of drawings. And so, I know how that is. Yeah. Yeah. And I even went back and redrew about a good 60% of them. Wow. Because I I I remembered them. Here's what I'm thinking. You know, I'm thinking that just listening to what you've got, you know, the the first thing you talk about maybe putting out a book, you know, a a, a comprehensive, almost like a coffee table book, you know, and, and it, you know, to show your, I mean, to at least show your, the history of the development of what you've got. I mean, those are always interesting, especially if you get some traction from from the public. You know, everybody kind of wants to know, well, how did you get there from here? Um, and, and then when you talk about the thing that's interesting to me is you go, well, I had a number two pencil, and I was doing all my drawings with a number two pencil, and then I discovered colored pencils, different line weights, and so, no, I mean, see, I mean that's I mean yeah. that's what you were saying, you know, you were you were really you were like doing self-taught things, which makes me want to ask, are you? Um, did you take? Did you have any formal classes? Did you take art classes to kind of help fill out things? You know, like people tell me, well, I had to take uh, uh, anatomical drawings so that, or anatomy, so that my my life drawings of people were more authentic and more more accurate. I mean, what about you? Even though you were drawing things that aren't, you know, that aren't 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 necessarily, you know, you have to have five fingers on a hand instead of the way William draws a Mickey Mouse hand, you know, three fingers <laughs> and a thumb. Well, dude, I'm not a I'm not an artist, and and you know, I see some of the stuff that you do, and and what other artists do, and it blows me away that that of that at that degree of talent because it's something that is foreign to me. So I mean, as you were coming up, you know, going through school and stuff, you know, did you take art classes? Um, did you know, you mentioned that your teachers were really involved in helping out the students. 
Um, where did that all fall on you? Were you fortunate enough to do that? Did you need the classes? Did you not need the classes? Tell me a little bit about that. Well, you know, when you're in, you know, uh, middle school, they give you classes, you had art and everything. But the right. funniest part was when I went to high school, and, we, you know, we, they were teaching us how to paint and everything. And I was excited because, okay. you know, we were t- showing us how to paint fruit and everything. And one day, probably about, about a quarter into the semester, teacher comes up and says, uh, it's time for you to go. And I'm like, what I do? He's like, you're too advanced for this class. And I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> I'm like, how can I be too advanced for this class and I'm still trying to learn how to draw fruit in a basket? And he's like, I'm looking right. at your your drawings that you have in your notepads over here. You're too advanced for this class. You don't even need this. I said, well, I want to learn how to paint. <laughs> and he says, nope, we need room for other school- for kids that, that really need to learn how. And I remember I went to the principal's office and I said, I want to call my parents. Right. And, you know, they said, why? I said, because I just got put out of art class because the teacher said I'm too advanced. The principal was like, really? I'm like, yeah. I said, how is that? So my parents wound up coming up to the school. I'm sitting out in the hallway because they came after school. I had to go to my, you know, I basically had to wait in the principal's office this whole time. Right, right. They come. I go to my other classes. Then they tell me, okay, wait after school. My parents get there. They they go talk to the teacher. They're in there for about a half hour. I'm sitting out in the hallway in one chair. And nobody's in school. Then they Still come mad. Back out. Yep. <laughs> they come back out and they said, okay, <laughs> time to go. And I'm like, well, what happens? You don't have our class no more. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> And the funny thing is, there was never really any discussion afterwards. <laughs> I mean, what your parents tell you, you don't have that class anymore. You don't have that class anymore. <laughs> right. And I said, well, why not? You just don't have it no more. And I wound up getting ROTC instead. <laughs> oh, no. Now, I would have thought maybe advanced art or something. but how, Now, how did that happen? Was it just because ROTC was available? or? Yep. Or, okay. <laughs> And I loved it. I fell in love in there. Right. And I actually wound up making a commandant of all Detroit public high schools. Man. <laughs> so it now, was. Uh, I mean, I've I've never heard anything like that. You know, I, I, get out! Get out! Why? You're too good. You don't need it. Get out! Well, that's pretty cool. That's pretty I cool. I mean. It. Um, yeah, and and so you're taking ROTC. I'm guessing you're still drawing, though, you know, on your own time and stuff like that. Oh, yeah. And yeah, then, yeah so, I never stopped. Yeah, now, so, I mean, I could see why you wanted to do paint. I mean, first of all, paint is color. Right. Paint is perspective. Paint is, you know, saturation. Paint is fooling the eye. I mean, painting is a lot of things. You know, color is so important in drawing. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's kind of funny that they didn't have a replacement for it, but obviously your teacher had a compelling argument to make your parents say, you know, well, you don't have that class anymore. So <laughs> right. um, when you, when you, you know, kept doing your art, did, um, were you, were you starting to incorporate color at that time? I mean, were you branching out? I mean, how was, how, how was your, you know, your your the physicality of your ability maturing at that at that point? Well, at one time, for a while, the, uh-huh. the colors I was using was different colored pens, like red and blue and black. Right. 
Right. And and okay. then one day, I I remember I was at a store. I can't remember which store, but I remember I went down the aisle to buy some more pens. I was going to buy a pack of pens, and I looked at some crayons, and I said, eh, I don't want to use no crayons. And I saw some markers, so I said, eh, let me try this. You know, I picked mm-hmm. some drawings in my head, and I said, maybe I can do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so then next thing I know, I started experimenting, you know, a lot of failures because the markers were going through the paper because I was still experimenting with, you know, coloring. Right. And, you know, over time, I started, you know, just using markers. You know, I didn't care what kind I had. I, at first, I, the first ones I bought were thick ones. And right. Then Big, I bought, fat Sharpies. Yeah. Those kind. <laughs> Big Crayola ones. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, then I, I bought some, when I saw a pack, they had like two rolls in it one time, and it was like just the skinnier ones. And, and I said, oh, that's a lot of colors. I said, I can do all kinds uh-huh, of that. Uh-huh. And then I saw some uh, 11 by 17-inch paper. And so <laughs> I said, I can draw some bigger stuff on here. And the next thing I know, I'm drawing big, and I'm coloring. I'm going through markers like a hot knife through butter. You uh-huh. know? And as I'm, as I'm experimenting, it was one day I got a grease stain on one of my drawings. And and I said, wait a minute, that's some shading. So I redrew the drawing again, <laughs> and I shaded it in that exact same color. And I said, oh, so this is how you do it, how you get the color, a light color, a little darker. And I started uh-huh. messing around, like doing little corners, edges. And I said, so this is how they do it. But then, Man. once again, then somebody else comes in, my father. He's like, you want to see a trick? And I say, sure. He draws a box, shades in two sides. He's like, look at that, now it's 3D. And I said, why didn't you show me this sooner? <laughs> so the next day I know I'm drawing boxes in every, almost every one of my drawings just to do shadings. Right, and right. He showed me the same thing with doing circles. Did like a circle and then do a half shade in a circle. He's like, there go your, your moon right there. And I'm like, I said, this is why I love my father. <laughs> I, I know exactly how that, that, that feeling of discovery goes. I took, um, I took an adult education class in Airbrush. Okay. And 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 mostly, I, okay. Let's be honest. I only took it so that I'd be in there with creative women, um, you know, and <laughs> and and meeting with. I'm not gonna lie, you know, it was uh, one of the I forget what the name of the school is here in Chicago, but but when I found out how to make glints, you know, to make a glint on metal or okay. on a shiny surface, I it, it blew my. I put glints on everything. Oh, you know what it was? It was like J.J. Abrams with lens flares. That's how, <laughs> that's how that's how I was with glints. And so, but but discovering how to do it was so cool. So I mean, I I relate to that feeling because it's like, oh man, this is this is a whole new thing that I've learned, and I just want to put it everywhere. You know. Mm-hmm. Um and and you know that when you look at your um, your drawings, obviously, you know, you've got shading down, you've got glints down, you've got metal down, you've got texture. Um, uh, when when did you think that you had gotten to a fairly mature level of drawing? Um, you know, was it after high school, or did you did you really have it? Were you really getting a good grasp when you were in in high school still? I was starting to get it, and uh-huh. then uh, after high school. You know, uh, life kicked in, working full-time job, and right. seeing paychecks and money, and then getting a car, you know, having a car and everything. Yeah, that kicked in and uh, put everything on the back burner <laughs> until some years later. And I actually, you know, 
slowed down in the drawing to where it was just eh, a little bit here, depending on what's going on, if I'm talking to a girl or not or whatever. You know, if I'm spending all my time with her and I'm not even yeah, thinking they're, about they're, I, Man, I get it. I mean, when I discovered <laughs> that girls didn't have cooties, it was a whole new awakening for me. <laughs> but when I came back to it, you know, it was kind of like I had to I had to reinvent it once again. You know, I started looking at some of my older drawings that I did right. that, I, that I was able to save and was like, man, I got a lot of errors in these. So start redoing them again, you know, uh-huh. so started doing that, building them back up, you know, and fixing them. And now the, now here's the thing. When I started, I still, even to this day, color with markers. Okay. What I've had to do was I, I commissioned a lot of my drawings because, and this is where it was so funny with Tyrone and me, we chat every day. He was like, you got to get on the computer and start doing the stuff on the computer. And I'm like, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, you can do all of this stuff. You don't have to be worried about erasing with a pencil and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm just old school. Part of it is a little bit of laziness, but, you know, and he's like, you can, you can learn how to do all the textures, and then you ain't got to be worried about paying commissioners. I said, true, true. So, they, so you know, but it's fun to, to draw with markers and do the shadings and everything myself, you know, because, like, I like, I, I, like, I like to do it with my hands, you know, even though computers are the, the way now and you see a yeah. lot more oh, yeah. details. But it's just something to me is just, I don't know, it's just the old school, you know, feel of it, just drawing it and, you know, I, I remember seeing stuff that had tons of imperfections on it, on like old toy boxes, you know, where they did markers and stuff. And I'm like, oh, I see the smudge right there. Yeah, this wasn't done. Mm-hmm, you know, so right. a lot of the stuff like that, you know, puts me in that mind. I mean, true enough, yeah, it's uh, great to embrace. And I'm, I'm planning on doing it, you know, and getting into sure. the computer age, so to speak. Right. It's just, yeah. It's just so much fun to me not doing it <laughs> well, and I mean, looking at the mistakes. It, yeah, but it's also, I mean, you know, if somebody mentioned, oh, JC mentioned, you know, embracing a new medium is difficult, and it is. I mean, yeah. the the drawing by hand and drawing by computer are almost, you know, other than shape, they're, they're almost two entirely different art mediums. You know right. what I mean? At least, at least to me, from the outside, because the the control that you need and uh, yeah, it's just different. And and I could see, I could see the the reluctance. I mean, okay, here you've got a refined skill. All right, you already know how to draw. You know how to you know to texture, to shape. All you know how to do all of those things in one way, and then all of a sudden, yeah, I could see why it would be reluctant. It, it it is so completely different. Um, <coughs> excuse me. That that I could I could see why it would take you a while to embrace. Um, have you? <coughs> excuse me. Um, have you looked at tools? Yeah, uh, I've I've been recommended a few, you know, to uh, look into. Um, I can't recall the name of it, but I know Tyrone has. Uh, He's uh, let me know quite a few uh, ones that are pretty, he said, are pretty easy to use and that, you know, you still will be using, you know, like a pen and everything, except you'd be just doing it on like a, almost something like a tablet. And I said, okay, you know, I can, I can embrace that, you know, I still just gotta, right. just gotta do it. You know, I just gotta stop <laughs> once again, letting certain things uh, deter me 
and get my mind set into it and just say, you know what, okay, this is going down, let's just do this and do it. Instead of making up the excuses that I kind of seem to do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. Well, I mean, if it, I think the the like thing that I had to go through was, um, sorry, something went down the wrong way. <clears throat> When I when I started doing screenwriting, you know, I used WordPerfect as a writing tool, and I was st- stubborn. And then I found, you know, some software for writing the script that <clears throat> I took a long time to embrace. But man, once I got past that that hump of being reluctant, I can't imagine doing it any other way now. You know, mm-hmm. so so maybe you'll run into that. Who knows? Right. Um, okay, so <clears throat> why, let me ask you this, why the, I guess the emphasis, why the fascination with doing um, mech kind of drawings? Uh, let's see. I grew up watching uh, Godzilla movies, <clears throat> uh, mm-hmm. Johnny Sacco and Flying Robot, uh, Gigantor. I mean, I grew up in that that time when giant robots was just the thing. Ultraman, you know, yeah, that all 80s of those. Thing. Yeah. You know, late seventies, early eighties. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, and they always they always fascinated me. And to where I like I said, when I was drawing in uh, middle school, I was drawing my own characters, I was drawing my own robot stories where I had one called My Robot. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And it looks similar, and the thing that makes me so frustrated times, I said I should have done this sooner, but it was like, I, it was a cheesy little story, I had a stick figure as the <laughs> human character, and the mm-hmm. robot, you know, and every time it fought a monster or something, a creature, it would actually get uh, a new weapon, or a new piece, and to the point where I, I was drawing it small, and then... I remember one of the last pages, it was like almost the size of the piece of paper, and, it was, and one of my friends was like, well, where is the space for the other stuff? I was like, there ain't no space. You stepped on it, and that's the end of everything. Okay, all right. <laughs> so it was like, you know, it was just getting bigger on the paper for every little story. So it was like I was drawing everything super small, and then it mm-hmm. just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, you know, it it was just, you know, fun. And I always just had fun with robots, you know. Uh, like I said, grew up on uh, all those ones, <laughs> seeing them, and then seeing them in the movies. I think the first movie I remember seeing a real robot was in was uh, maybe Saturn Three, when it was a cyborg. Oh, movie. yeah. Yeah. And uh, that movie and uh, Empire Strikes Back in the beginning, mm-hmm. the AT-ATs and the Scott Walker. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. You know, just seeing, I've always just been a robot head, you know, then seeing them in anime, you know, it it just really did it. That really yeah. did it. So it was like, you know, like say coming in at morning, in the afternoon to watch Johnny Sacco. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's shift gears a little bit. You talked about in the beginning, <clears throat> excuse me, where you had great drawings. And then what you wanted to do was build stories around them. Um, how, how, tell us a little bit about the evolution of you as a storyteller, you know, because it is, it is kind of flipping gears from just doing the drawings, you know? Right. 
it started when, you know, I think it was when I drew my first big ship. And when I drew it, I was just picturing it doing all different things, coming out of the ground, uh, flying in space. And then I said, well, what would I call this ship? Right. So, you know, start thinking of names. Then start thinking of, well, what does it do? You know, how big is mm-hmm. it? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, those little things. And one day I just started writing it down, saying, you know, well, this can do that. And I can't remember what it was. I looked. I went into a hobby shop one time, and I saw, like, some writings on uh, the Battlestar Galactica. And, you know, saying uh, how many cannons it had and everything like that. It was for, I think it was a book that, like, I can't remember what kind of book it was or if it was for a model kit or something. I can't 100% recall. And I said, I should do that. I said, that's what I can do. I said, you know, it tells a whole bunch and it says about all the people and everything. So I, <clears throat> I did that and I started thinking the people of the, you know, the ship. Mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, the captain, you know, I started looking up in the books and seeing what types of crew members are aboard ships and everything. You know, I started looking at the, sh- the TV shows and was like, oh, yeah, I like Starbuck, you know. I could have a character like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, kind of started looking at the way they shape their characters and just started thinking of my own, you know. Uh, well, how about I have my own captain and he's this and that and, you know, start writing everything down. And then start talking about the ship a bit more and saying how big it is, uh, what it can do, how many weapons it has, uh, where did it come from, you know, and uh, just the different things. And I started writing it out. You know, at first it started off, it wasn't no paragraph or anything like that. It was just kind of like simple stat forms. But mm-hmm. I remember when I started getting Transformer toys, I said, there it is right there. They had their stats on the back of them. <laughs> Oh, okay. And yeah. they had a little okay. story, a little uh, like little small quotes and captions that they had for him. And I said, "That's how I can do this." I said, "That's giving me the, the inspiration and you know the somewhat ideas to start building, you know, building more information into the characters and the ships and everything." Until you know, so, I, I just started having this whole a whole story. Yeah, I mean, it it sounds almost like a technical manual and you know, like a Bible for a creative universe. You know how we, we, we do that when we're putting together, you know, like if somebody puts together a multiple-volume series, right. they want to keep track of all of the, the, the features, all of the characters, all of the, you know, the specifics that make that up. And it sounds like you, you just fell into doing that in order to keep track of stuff, and then finally it just blossomed out, right? Yep. That's exactly Very what cool. happened. Um, and, and so what did you discover about yourself as a storyteller though? I mean, you know, make it, it's one thing to put together, you know, like you can go in the, in the, in the store now and get a, what is it? A star, star Trek, a Starfleet technical manual, you know, right? you know, they're selling those kind of books. How, how did you make the, the, the kind of transition from doing something like that for your universe into actually telling stories? Well, it was a. It, I was on the borderline of doing like Star Trek's uh, books of just being technical, mm-hmm. but it was like mm-hmm. I said when I did that when I was making my first book and I said I'm talking about all these ships, but who's piloting them? You know, mm-hmm. I'm drawing all these mechs, but who's making them? You know, who's the who's the the hero of the story? Right. And I had to start writing this stuff out because I said, well, if if I'm going to make something for somebody to to want to see. They're going to want to know what I'm talking about, you know, just to show, well, I got this drawing, this run robot, and here's some information on it. 
Okay, well, what else? Because if they like it, they're gonna want they're gonna want more. So, right. what else is there? You know, and I started writing from there. And really, the funniest thing was I still crack jokes on this. One. The first one I remember, I wrote a story about. Uh, I felt like I was on dope and dog food when I re- when I read it later on. <laughs> 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 I said, "What the heck was I thinking when I wrote this?" You know, who and they write mad? I said, I had to ball it up and throw it away and said, you know what, no, 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 we're going to scratch this one and uh, I'm going to go back to the drawing board on this. You know, mm-hmm. where where I started, uh, you know, just, just uh, trying to trying to bring the characters and the robots and everything out from just being, you know, 1D to 2D to 3D, you know, as far as uh, trying to be as descriptive as I can, but without going overboard. And just uh, under just trying to get make it simple to where people can understand what it what it's saying, and hopefully captivating them, and capturing the audience and saying, you know, okay, I get that. That's kind of you know that's different. Okay, I see what he's talking about. So it's just right. so just basic, where it's like, ah, okay, up oh, turn the page. Yeah, I'm not liking this. Eh, this was a waste of money, or you know. <laughs> Well, I mean, I don't think, you know, I've only interviewed one person who told me that they were so good that their uh, their their uh, instructors in college said they didn't need any <clears throat> any instruction or any help with, you know, writing, which, I mean, you've got to be a fit, pretty rare individual to just come out, you know, fully formed, everything's just perfect. So, right. you know, it's it's the... It's the process that most people are interested in because, you know, we're influenced by so many things, you know, that, that people wonder, okay, where do you draw your inspiration from, blah, blah, blah. When you, when you got to the point where you started actually filling out characters and doing stories and stuff like that, uh, did you have people around you to give you feedback? I had, yeah. I had uh, my cousins, um, brothers and sisters, they was around, you know, they would, read, they would look at my stuff, some would crack jokes on me. Uh, others would just, you know, say, okay, you know, but, you know, being family, they might not just been trying to hurt my feelings. But I did have some people who never read it, who never even really knew me, and said, okay, this isn't bad, you know. You might want to mm-hmm. do this and that. And, you know, I tried to take those those uh, critiques, you know, and those uh, influence that they say, you know, that may help and try to incorporate them. Can't say I did them all right, but right, right. at least, you know, I would try, you know, to take into consideration different things, you know, and because a lot of times a lot of my stuff would get confused, you know, with people when they look at it be like, Oh, that's that's a transformer. Uh no. No, that that's my drawing. <laughs> oh no, that that's from Robotech, ain't it? Uh no <laughs> no. Uh that's a Gundam. No, 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 no. But no. even even that that <laughs> ha- that I mean on on its surface that is that's still flattery. You know, that's oh, yeah. still positive. Because if it's that good, that ain't bad. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as long as they say, as long as they don't say they don't like it, I'm happy. I just correct them <laughs> and say that's mine. <laughs> you know, yeah, not from that yeah. story, but I'm, I'm glad you you don't say it looks like crap. You know. Okay, so let's uh, let's let's move a little bit forward. Um, hold on, I gotta pull my stuff up here. When now you 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 knew you were working kind of in your Raxon universe, right? That that was that was a name from early on. 
when when did you start quantifying that kind of on a more professional level, more more on a, a potentially commercial level? How you know how old were you, and how did you get to that point where you decided this is something that has com- commercial potential that I I want to really work on and and exploit? It was probably ninety four. Mm-hmm. It was uh you know I was really getting into it like I had mentioned earlier I was really <laughs> getting into it and. That's when I was really on board with trying to get everything done for it, and I was trying to ramp up everything. And when you well, wait, when you say ramp up, were, were are we talking about becoming com- a, a commercial product? Yeah, what I was trying to do okay, was sorry. at that time I was I was trying to look into how do I get you know printing, uh, copy. Yeah you know, uh, publishing, sure. you know, uh, different things. and The how, real deal. Yeah, you know, trying to network because, you know, I was, no, I didn't know anybody who, who knew anything with it. You know, um, I went to the comic book store, you know, to ask the guy, and he said, well, we're going to need us a publisher or a printer, you know, you're going to probably get you some artists. And when he was saying all this stuff, I started getting a little discouraged because when he was talking, it started being like, Charlie Brown, you hear that wah, wah, wah. But I was hearing change, 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 because I'm like, this is going to cost me. And then he said, it's going to cost you a couple thousand dollars, you know, to make you a comic book. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, that's just a comic book. Um, And I said, well, what about a cartoon? He was like, oh, yeah, you're talking about probably a million dollars. And I'm like, well, there goes that dream. (laughs) But you know, but, you, but I, you didn't stop. See, no, you didn't, I didn't stop. stop. So, so, and and then you know, next time when you're that young and you don't know anything, talk to more than one person. Okay, that's my advice. Yeah, to you. yeah. <laughs> definitely true. <laughs> yeah, but but again, it didn't stop you because look where you are now. You know, true. so you know, even after you saw those as you know some fairly high financial hurdles. Um, you kept going, and and was that that same push like you know I'm not going to let something like some simple money stop me or what? Well, with that one, that one slowed me down a lot, <laughs> a lot more than okay. the business one. Because well, that's when, frightening. Said, when somebody you know, talks about millions of dollars, that is frightening. Yeah, that 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 scared the crap out of me, you know. And I said, mm-hmm. oh well, you know, being uh from Detroit, you know, black guy, I'm like, where the heck am I going to get a million dollars? And I don't even have a thousand dollars at this time. Like I didn't even have three hundred, so it was like you know how's this going to happen? But mm-hmm. you know naturally didn't know anything about sponsors, uh, advertising, you know uh, just just all the whole multitude of everything else that could be available to you. Right. Just you trying to figure out how you're going to get a million dollars. Sure. You know so that was the big thing that threw me off, and you know put the fear into me. But I I didn't let it 100% stop me. You know, it slowed me down. It was a it was a little discouraging, but right. it it didn't. I said, okay, well, there's got to be another way, you know. And so I said, well, even if I make my own drawings, I said, well, my mom works and she works as a clerical, so maybe if I can get her to make copies, I can make my own books, you know, and just staple them. And I did okay. that. <laughs> And I sold maybe three of three to five of them. I think she mm-hmm. ended up with her friends that just bought them. <laughs> but I had made some, and uh, you know, sold them that way. 
And I think that was my first, pretty sure that was my first entrepreneurial experience with it, with, uh, you know, getting my stuff out there. And that right. book just had, like, a few ships that I had colored and that I hand-wrote hand the names of them and a few mm-hmm. facts that I had put into it, and I hand-wrote them. It wasn't back-to-back. They were just, like, you know, one page, you know, with colored markers that, you know, had a lot of mistakes in them, but I was trying. So, you know, and I didn't sell them for much. I think I just sold them for, like, a, a dollar. But it was it was still a fun thing to do because mm-hmm. even though I didn't have orders for them or anything <clears throat> like that, well, I had a few. Right. But it was just fun to do it, you know, the experience of it. And I said, you know, this is this is something I like. You know, it's the the feeling that somebody wants to see my product. And so that encouraged me. But like I said, you know, things came up and slowed me down here and there. And and then, I, you know, at one point I was ready to just, I got frustrated with it all, and I just I stopped for a few years. I took a few-year hiatus on it. Well, sometimes, and, you know, you need that to kind of regain some perspective and also to get, I mean, that that whole thing about, you know, banging your head against the wall just because it feels good when you stop, that's not really a good motivator, you know? Right. Um, exactly. Okay, so you take that time off. What were you doing? Pretty much working, living. Uh, yeah. Having fun, drinking. Paying the uh, bill. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Hanging out with family and everything. Just, you know, just enjoying life. Mm-hmm. Uh, blowing through money like a hot knife through butter, but, you know, that's a whole other story. But, well, you know, I mean, you know, when fun. you're young, the whole thing about youth, they say, uh, what is it, what do they say, uh, youth is wasted on the young. But, I mean, there's a whole lot of things you learn about life, you know, just yeah. doing that sort of thing. Um, yeah. Uh, and, and then did it help you? I mean, obviously, you're getting more experience in life. Did it give you better perspective? Oh, definitely. Definitely. Because when I came back to it, it was a more sense of reality. Okay. Know, of, uh, okay. More grounded. Right. I had to go back to the basics of what my father told me, you know, with the model kit. If you're gonna, if you're serious about doing this, then do it. You know, don't play around with it. Don't waste your time and money with it. If it's something you're just gonna do for, if you want to do it for a hobby, you want to spend your money on it. Knock yourself out. But if you want to be serious with it, and you really want somebody to take you serious with it, mm-hmm. then dedicate the time and effort you need to get it done. You know, otherwise you're just blowing smoke up your own butt. Right. And I said, well, yeah, okay. And so in ninety. Seven, I had started cranking up my my gears again, you know, um, and I was I was like, okay, these 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 revamps are are pretty dang good, you know. I'm doing way better. I'm starting to pick up a different style, going a little different direction. Then the tragedy happens. Our house burns down. So lose a lot of stuff, but '98 comes around, rebirth. It's like. I started savaging through everything that I had lost and what I had left. Right. And I started rebuilding. And that was okay. the real big point of the rebuild of Rackside, you know, because I said, you know what, not only am I going to rebuild this, I'm going to rebuild it better, and I'm going to go further with it than I had anticipated to where I started drawing human characters. They wasn't the best looking, but I took mm-hmm. a shot at it, and I started cleaning them up a little bit here and there, and I said, well, at the very least, I got a basis. I got a, a foundation, you know, and it really, from that point, like my stories, not that I had a face, 
that I was able to draw to see, I was able to draw my sto- write out my stories a lot better. You know, right. that I'm starting to see my own foundations and building it so that I can see and put a face to what I'm thinking and saying, you know what, let me match this up with this character. And as I started thinking about what kind of characters would I like to see, conversations that they have, things that they do, you know, uh, just a whole multitude of things that I had never even thought about doing before, even till today. You, know, you mean in like, terms of story development? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with the rack sign, I just I became so engulfed in it to where I didn't even want to do anything else. It was like at one point I was I was doing just rack sign stuff, just it, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to because it was like that universe was just coming together, you know, around me. And I'm just I'm drawing like a bat out of hell, you know, I'm drawing mechs left and right, I'm drawing fleets of ships, you know, uh, fighters, tanks, uh, bases, uh, characters, I'm writing, I'm writing, I started writing characters, writing uh, stats for characters, and uh, profiles for characters, that I didn't even draw at that time, to where I had so many profiles for characters and everything, I had to catch up with the drawing, Mm -hmm. you know, so I started going back and I did it with like uh, so many of my alien characters and ships. I started drawing those like crazy, and uh, I said I got to draw these char- these alien characters. Next thing I know, I'm drawing them like like poof. They're just coming out of the woodworks, you know. And it was uh, it was fun, you know. That was the thing that I had missed was having it fun. And at that point, I said, you know, well now I need to step it up a little bit more. I need to get out of the markers and try to see, and it was one point, when I, this is when I started really getting online and into the internet and everything, and it was one guy named David White, and uh, I saw his drawings, and he had a book called uh, Mechazone, and he drew mechs, and I remember I bought mm-hmm. it, and I was like, okay, cool, you know, this guy can, his drawings are kind of similar to what I draw, you know, we're on a similar level, we're not the exact, but he draws a little more technical, but mm-hmm. I got pointers from his stuff, and it was one year, um, I reached out to him and I said, uh, you know, because I saw he was doing his stuff that was looking like box covers and everything, weighted the colors and everything. And I said, uh, could could you draw? Could you color one of my mechs? You know. Mm-hmm. And he said, Yeah, I can do it. And I said, Well, how much? He was like, uh, seventy-five bucks. And I was like, kind of like, Wow, okay. And uh, I said, Okay, you know, how do we do it? You know, he told me about PayPal and everything. I'm new to all of this, and he sends me a contract, and I'm like contract and uh, that's when a whole nother level kicks in that I start to learn it was basically his protection clause I'm doing this for you and all of this and that and it was a nice detailed laid out contract that I even had at that time my parents look at it and say is this you know something I had to sign it and send it back to him right and once he did that you know sent the payment and he was giving me updates of the drawings and then when he mailed the drawing to me uh a hard, like on a kind of like a hard paper with uh, fully colored, but he was sending the pictures to me online and they were just like sure. blowing my mind. And he <laughs> sent me a disc that had the drawing on it in different size formats. And I said, right. okay, 35 bucks. Okay, I need another one done. <laughs> you know? And as, when I saw that first one, it was like, okay, I got to have them all drawn. I got to have them all colored like this because I said, I don't want to have a book where they're, where they're black and white, not shaded or colored with markers, 
I said, this is the direction I got to go now. Right. So at that point on, I said I was spoiled. And I said, I got to have all my drawings colored in this fashion, in this uh, digital fashion. And so I got too many drawings for him because he was like, well, how many drawings are you talking about? I said, I got about 120. And he was like, okay, I can't do all of those. So, <laughs> and I mind you, I was still drawing. So he was like, I can't do all those. He said, like, I'll probably do 10 of them for you. And I said, right. okay. And so, you know, I'm like, dang, okay, that's it. So for, as he did his 10, you know, I, uh, I started entering into different contests online. You know, I'm blowing people out of the water. And I'm like, wow. But I'm always giving the credit saying he colored it. You know, because yeah, I right. drew it, but he colored it. So I can't just say, yeah, this is me. I did all this. You know, nope. So because if somebody say, hey, can you color one of mine? Uh, no, I can't. Not like that. <laughs> right, right. So well, it it sounds like at, at the same time you're learning two things. I mean, obviously you're learning a little bit more about the business of doing business side of being a creative. And um, when when you saw what he was able to do, were did it encourage you to try to increase the the depth of your 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 creativity, you know, to to maybe be able to color and do things like that on your own, or were you still at the stage of, well, you know, I do what I do, these people do what they do, and they do it better, so let's stick with that. I mean, how did that work out for you? Yeah, <laughs> it kind of went a little bit in both ways. Okay. Uh, I, I I did step up my game a bit more with uh with drawing. Like I started putting a lot more little details here and there into things that where normally I never would have. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Even though the other flip side was I wasn't ready to embrace the digital coloring because right. I still enjoyed you know the hands on of markers and I still I still felt I still had a ways to a little ways to go to perfect that as well. Because I say, sure. you know, I didn't want to just jump right out of one into the other one. And I didn't have the the computer software or the, nor the computers to really mm-hmm. handle mm-hmm. anything at that time either. So mm-hmm. I took, you know, the, the pointers of the business side of understanding the contracts and uh, recreating them. You know, and in my work, I became, uh, I became active in my union. And to the point where I became the president of my, my union local. And that's what we began to do. That's all we were dealing with is in contracts with the city, you know, contract negotiations, everything mm-hmm. like that. So understanding contracts and reading them and, uh, and you know, doing the whole nine with them became uh, a thing that was something that I just said, I got, I got to do, you know. So understanding contracts, writing them, helping people with them, uh, letting people know, if you're going to deal with this, you might want to have a contract. If you don't have a lawyer or attorneys and everything like that, here's something mm-hmm. that you can have that can help you and protect you as well. So that if you got to go on Judge Mathis or somewhere, you know, you got some protection that you <laughs> signed off on it. <laughs> so, like, I, I know I, I helped Ty with a uh, contract with his stuff. And, you know, I said, I want to make sure that you're safe as well as letting the person know who's going to be doing any work for you that sure. you're a safe person to deal with because you're doing this. I said, I love gentlemen's agreements, but and some everybody won't always do one, you know, because when yep. you're dealing with people online, 
you got some people that'll say, yeah, sure, I'll take it. Like me, I'm I'm, I'm an easygoing guy. You know, somebody talks to me, I, it's okay. You know, I'm not trying to do everything for money. But, you know, you got some people that's like, I got to have cash because I'm not going to be wasting my time. You know, so it's the, the different kinds of people, you know, because some people do it, they do it as this is their job. You know, right. me, I got a nine to five. So right. I can understand. I have to play devil's advocate sometimes when I come across some commissioners. And, you know, so it was at one point I, w- I had did a few commissions for some people who said they they wanted some real technical drawn mechs. And, you know, I said, okay, well, here's my contract. And some of them got a little discouraged because they were like, I never, don't, never dealt with anybody with a contract. I said, well, now you have, so do you want to do a deal or not? Mm-hmm. And, you know, two two said no because I guess either they was – my thing I started learning was if you don't want to do it, if you can't do – you don't want anything in writing, you're not serious. Or you're new to this and you're just not sure. Mm-hmm. So I learned, you know, if, if you're willing to put it in writing, this is something that's going to protect you as well as me. I'm going to sign it. You're going to sign it. We're both in agreement to it. you got emails. you got everything to, to trace me. So the money is going to – you know, if I'm screwing you, you're going to get your money back, especially with PayPal. So right. try to let everybody know there's safety safety nets out there. So with the business point, you know, it, it became a, a pretty good thing. And with the technical point as far as the drawing, you know, it really helped me because I started going advanced a lot more. Sure, sure. And, you know, doing a lot more like <laughs> the details here and there into things that I never would have done before where I was drawing shapes inside of shapes inside of shapes and, and drawing stuff big and shrinking it down and drawing it big, shrinking it down, which was something I used to do, but not as good. And so mm-hmm. it it began to develop into another portion, you know, another aspect that I started to have fun with. So, you know, it, it it's just been an explosion of uh, just things happening all over the place. You know, and yeah. I've just been scatterbrained, <laughs> you know, with just amazement. Is, and like say, when you got people like Tyrone and then another friend of mine who, uh, who's actually the one who's handling my 3D printing is Damone Amerson. And you got to have him on here one of these times. That guy, he is, he's, I had to make him a partner in the Raxonverse. Mm-hmm. And because he, when he saw my stuff, he was like, I'm in. And I said, okay. <laughs> I couldn't even argue. Very cool. Yeah, you know, and he's, yeah. he's keeping me on the straight and narrow. Like both of those two are like the ones that have kept me from just throwing in the towel. Right. As far as the males in my life, you know, is the you know the the artists that have been the ones that have said, you know, man, don't 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 stop. You know, you've made mm-hmm. it this far. Look at what you've created. Why would you throw all of that away now? It's like if you got Stan Lee to the point where he can't read comics anymore, but it's not saying he's not, he's stopping doing anything. At his age, you're not even near that age yet. What is your excuse for stopping? Say, well, yeah, you got a point there. So, yeah. you know, I said, well, okay, just got to focus on how to get it really done the right way, get, it, get everything, you know, streamlined on the right path to where it's marketable. You know, versus just okay, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, but I'm doing it wrong. But I'm doing it. it you know, but it's the difference between a business versus a hobby. Right. Um, hang on a second. You're listening to the Genesis Science Fiction Radio Show, a service of the Black Science Fiction Society dot com website. 
this is the January 15th edition. I guess I think this might be the second show of the new year. A lot of things going on in life, a lot of things going on in the country. Don't get me started about politics. But uh, tonight we're talking to, um, you know, uh, Thomas Johnson. He's an artist. He's uh, actually now he's becoming, um, you know, one of the things I want to talk to you about is how how you, A, got into the whole 3D printing aspect, and B, what do you think is the potential for 3D printing in terms of your creative universe and the commercial viability of your products? Okay. Now, don't let me babble too much. Let me start with that first one. <laughs> oh, no, dude, we got a two-hour show. I am always happy when I get me a babbler because, you know, I can take a nap. I can run in the kitchen, get something to eat. I, can, I can't I can do the dishes anymore because uh, Jarvis kept getting on my ass about that, making all them dishwashing noises. But, but seriously, though, you know, 3D printing is huge. You know, it, yes. it's supposed to be the, the panacea for everybody. You know, everybody's talking about 3D printing, 3D printing. It's kind of like what everybody said about the Internet in 1992. You know, oh, the Internet's going to be this. It's going to change life uh, and how we do business. And, you know, you got to be a dumb-ass mofo to want to buy 50 pounds of dog food over the Internet and pay as much for the shipping as you do for the dog food instead of just run to the store. Right. So some things are stupid, some things are not. 3D printing has proven itself to, to be a great tool in medicine. You know, like I, I think I mentioned, I don't know if I mentioned it when we started the show, mm-hmm. but we've got, we've got, you know, the 3D printing of ears, noses, you know, cartilage parts, uh, heart valves, vaginal tissue. I mean, pretty soon they'll be 3D printing Johnson's. Yeah, I said it. Somebody had to say it. <laughs> so, but, but the thing is, is, you know, it's such a huge thing. Over in, um, in Africa, they are 3D printing houses, you know, foamed concrete houses. Um, you know, they they did it, they were three they three D printed cars here at McCormick Place, right? When everybody was watching during the car show, three um, D printing has a lot of potential. I think the biggest potential for three D printing is, let's say you have an iPhone, you crack your or, or any kind of phone, you crack the screen or you crack the back or you drop it and chip the you know, then you log on to your your telephone manufacturer's website. You pay nineteen ninety five. They send you a digital file. You take that on a flash drive to uh, what is it, Home Depot or some of these places or, or Staples, where they're doing three D printing for you. You give them the file. They print what you want, and twenty minutes later, you've got your new part. I think that's where a huge amount of commerce is going to be done. Now, for you, you know, you you're translating your art directly into final product, all but the painting part, final product figures, right? Is that what you're doing mostly, you know, for both the mechs and and the ships? Yep. yep. Okay, so tell let's let's start out from the beginning. Where did you start to to apply this new technology to what you're doing? Well, let me be totally honest with you. How I found out about the three D printing, it was on a Deviant Art. And I was on there one day and I saw this one guy, he had some mechs that he said he uh, made himself. Because I was like, I don't, they don't recognize it. You know? And he had this uh, one picture at the bottom that said Ultimaker 2. And okay. I started reading his comments, and, and people were saying, you made this? And he's like, yeah, I bought the Ultimaker 2 uh, 3D printer. And the first thing went through my mind was, wait a minute. You made your own figure? 
you didn't make it out of clay, you didn't do it out of you didn't you didn't score wax it or whatever, yeah, the, all exactly. the traditional mediums from before. Exactly. And I'm like and he had the link for it. So I clicked the link and I'm looking and I said, Oh my God. <laughs> you know, and my cousin used to tell me about it. He's like, Man, three D printers, they're coming. He's like, Well you can just make your own stuff, make your own figures and everything and I'm like, Yeah, okay. But it was to me it was I'm I'm space cadet at that time, you know, I'm not even thinking about it. So it was like it hit like, you know, going from regular printer to a color printer. You know, like, right. oh, you can see your stuff in color now, you know. And or so, dot matrix to a laser printer. Yeah. So, you know, it was like, uh, wow. And so I started looking at his stuff, and I said, this is ridiculously detailed. And so I started looking into the 3D printers, and the one guy that I mentioned earlier, uh, Dave White, next thing I know, he's got one, and he's making his own mechs. He's right. He's making miniature ones. And I'm like, oh, hey. Hell no. And I'm looking at the prices <laughs> of these 3D printers, and I'm like, that's it? You can do all of that for, with that? And I said, they're, they're, he's making posable ones? I'm like, mm-hmm, oh, mm-hmm. okay, no. So, you know, here's where the bomb hit me. You know, I started looking into them. I started YouTubing videos and everything, and I'm like, wow. Then I re- remembered one thing. I am horrible with computers. <laughs> so... The software, I started looking into that, and I'm like, oh, God, yeah, I'm going to have to learn how to use this. So it was like uh, I started playing, I, I, I downloaded Blender. Okay. And I downloaded it. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So Blender is on my computer, and, uh, yeah, it's still there. So fast forward, you know, I'm telling everybody about this printer. Uh, I'm chatting with a few people on uh, Black Science Fiction Society's uh-huh. uh, inbox, you know, talking about 3D printers and everything, and I'm telling them, yeah, I'm going to get that Ultimaker 2. And I'm saying to myself, I'm not sure how I'm going to use it, but I'm going to figure it out. If I buy it, I'm going to learn it. Right. So, you know, because I'm like, I'm picturing everything that I can do with it. So fast forward a little further, I come across Damone Amerson, who was a nephew of a friend of mine that worked with me named Cornell Amerson. And... He was like, Cornell was saying, yeah, my nephew knows how to do all that 3D stuff and everything. And I'm like, really? And so I said, you think he can 3D one of my ships? He was like, yeah, I'm sure he can. So fast forward a little bit, I kind of reach out to Damone. says a tip for a while. Then I reached out, went on ahead and reached out to him. And I said, you know, I want to know how much would you charge 3D one of my ships or everything like that. And he told me his price. And I said, okay, well, that's not bad. I said, considering that mm-hmm. if all I got to do is pretty much just hit print on my 3D printer, you know, then I got somebody who can do that. It's mm-hmm. similar to how I was commissioning people for my drawings to do the mm-hmm. digital coloring. So I'm like, you know, okay, yeah, this might be something that can work. So we start chatting, and he says, uh, what do you want them for? Are you going to be 3D printing? I said, yeah. He's like, well, what 3D printer are you going to be using? I showed him the Ultimaker. He was like, wow, okay, uh, all right. And then he's like, can I see some more of your drawings? And next thing I know, I got a partner. <laughs> And he was saying, yeah, I, what I didn't know was he was doing research on other 3D printers. Right. Was like saying, you know, this is like the, the perfect time for indie because, you know, you ain't got to deal with the big box store products and everything where so many people are selling online now. And mm-hmm, they're making mm-hmm. their own stores. Like the guy, David right. White, he's printing up his own figures and selling his own stuff, and they're selling like, you know, 
wildfire. And I'm saying, okay, I definitely can get into this. And the prices of the printers started going down, you know, because newer ones are coming out, they're getting faster, you're getting less problems with them, you know, because they're perfecting the technology. So Mm -hmm. it's definitely something that's been embraced. And even to fast forward to when we got it, I told Damone, I said, we're going to have that 3D printer before the end of 2015. Mm -hmm. Got it, gave it to him, I said, Make me some ships. Little did I know, he was like, okay, I'm going to do some practice stuff because i got to learn software and everything. He was already practicing the software before we got the printer. So when he got the printer, he printed out one ship for me, which I'm still holding in my hand right now. How and quick, How quick did out, he do it? Did he turn it around? Uh, actually, he said it only took him about three hours. Man, that's great. And what I didn't know was that he was actually building my big ship, my Renaissance ship. He made uh-huh. a long, he made it a foot long, and Damn. it's in uh, like uh, maybe eight or nine pieces that in, that he made it to where the pieces would peg together to where they might right. need a little bit of sanding, and then you glue them together. Sure. He showed me the picture of it uh, a few days ago. I posted it on Facebook, and I was like, my jaw dropped. I said, I'll be over there this weekend to pick up my ship. <laughs> and he <laughs> says, and he tells me he's like, I want to make one that's 22 inches with uh, way more detail. And I said, uh, yeah, okay, I demand you make me one as well, because if you want that for your centerpiece, i got to have one too. So <laughs> he said uh, he's going to be working on that. And, you know, um, and so we were even talking, like what some people are doing too, and what we even talked about doing was farming, you know, and that's when you have people who have more than one 3D printer. So there, they, mm-hmm. uh, one guy I saw, he had 10 of them. And you can print multiple things with it. So, you know. You know, you if you got ten three D printers, imagine what you can do. You know, how much stuff can you crank out? You know, you know, now your electric bill is going to go up, but the stuff that you can make can be just ridiculous. I mean, it's just so many different things, and if you have the time to do it, it's oh, even, absolutely. It's even and, and a word of war- yeah, a technical word of warning to everybody. This is very, very much like inkjet technology, in that they will give you the printer at you know cost or close to cost. Because they do know that they're going to make up money on the um, the, the consumables, you know, the, the composites that actually make up that that they print up the um, the whatever figure with. But it's it's so cool. I mean, even doing the like the YouTube videos showing people how you're printing stuff. I mean, all of that is really compelling, you know, for um, for a uh, you know, uh, to to actually take a product like anything two-dimensional and being able to render it three-dimensional and to give it to a kid or somebody else, you know, as a collectible mm-hmm. or what have you. I mean, one of the things that I want to see Jarvis do is I want to see him do the um, the Earth Squadron coin. You know, we've got a we've got a, a logoed coin, and, and to be able to do that because I think that there's some fundraising possibilities in 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 that kind of technology. I think there's a lot of cool stuff because. Here's the thing, you know, you, it, it costs money to do everything. Right. But if you can give something that's value added for your creative universe, there, there's no substitute for that, you know. So I, man, I, I can't wait to see this stuff that you, you print. Somebody pop the, um, the for those of you who are on Facebook, you can click on pop the link to see the, um, the picture of the ship. 
and it is amazing. Um, I guess the boxes. Oh man, it is amazing. I just clicked on it. Um, okay. And and so now you're seeing you're seeing the potential. You're seeing all of these really cool things. You know, basically, if if you wanted to do a fundraiser now, and certain level people donated X amount of dollars, and for their X amount of dollars, they got a ship out of the out of the universe, you know, out of the um, out of your stories. There, there's there's huge potential there to kick up, you know, what you could do in crowdsourcing. You know what I mean? Yep. And that's what I'm um, trying to, to trying to learn is how to to get, first try to get more exposure so that people will know uh-huh. it's there. You know, learning that aspect and uh, you know, like I said, I taking a page from Tyrone of what he said at last week's is uh you know, putting out more stuff for people mm-hmm, to see, mm-hmm. you know, and getting more active because I haven't been active right. as much as I should have been. But I said, right. as I'm seeing him get active, it's inspiring me to be more active. And I said, you know what, let me start putting it out there so I don't be just waiting until the last minute be like, I got all this stuff. They're like, yeah, I wish you would have told us sooner. So <laughs> I want to start, you know, getting it, getting everything out there for people to see. And that's definitely a, a avenue that we were talking about doing this uh being able to show some different things, crowdfund mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that it makes it a lot easier and it gives us flexibility as far as time and money. Sure. Because, you know, and, the and, filament and, don't cost too much, but it's the timing of everything. Yeah, and it kicks up the interest level. Well, if you need if you need any help on your marketing, I know a Japanese girl who could give you a lot of help. We'll talk later. <laughs> um, I definitely will. <laughs> no, I'm serious because making money is not that hard to do. And people okay. go, oh, you, you know, they they think I'm crazy, but um, you know, exciting people's minds is just a matter of how you tell them the story. I mean, everything, all marketing is storytelling, and and people have to think in those terms. How do you tell a compelling story to make people want to either participate in your universe, help you out? You know, how do you get them excited? Um, you've got you're you're sitting so well because you've got such great visuals already. You've been doing this most of your life. So the only thing that you have to do is figure out a way to share your vision with other people in a way that's compelling enough that they want to make it happen. Right. And, and I think that is that is way cool. That is way cool. So, um, okay, so now you have you bought the printer. You gave it to, uh, what's his name? Sorry, I don't remember names. I'm, I'm old, man. Um, and, and so... It sounds very, very much like this is a great collaboration between you two. Oh, yeah, definitely. He's even um, drawing some of my comic books. <laughs> oh, see, that's great. And and think about that. You know, all when you put all of those mediums together, what you do is you give, you give uh, readers whatever, you know, people who are interested in the universe, those who want to get a buy-in, whatever – you you give them so many different ways to participate in your creative universe. And that's, I mean, what, what kind of feedback have you gotten on just where you are now, just at this point? I've gotten, sir, I've gotten, the funny thing is, I've gotten people that posted on the, you know, posted on pictures saying, you know, giving good feedback. I've right. had uh, two or three people ask me um, if I was doing commissions. Unfortunately, Two of them wanted commissions of stuff that I just was like, uh, yeah, I don't do those kind of uh, commissions. But I can tell you who probably do, you know, when they want to. Well, no, that's good. I mean, you know. It was cool. It was nice to be asked. 
Right. And and the fact that you didn't turn them down but you could help them, you know, it, it, it in no way, hopefully in no way puts them off so that they forget who you are, you know? Right. And, and yeah. so people people are asking you to kind of help them out. See, it, it almost sounds like you've created a, a little niche industry within your creative universe where people want you to do things for themselves. Is that what I'm getting from you? Yeah, a bit, yeah. Because I've been drawing, uh, like for Ty, Tyrone, I'm drawing uh-huh. uh, Bex for his, for his stories, uh, mm-hmm. which I'm, I've been having a blast doing. I've been trying to get them done. I, I told him I've been promising him I'm going to have him finish so he can get his comics uh, underway, drawing mm-hmm. the, uh, ships, you know, for uh, some of his stories. Um, he's going to kill me because I can't. He has so many fascinating stories. I'll be losing track when he'd be just typing. I'll be like, okay, Tyrone, let me. Let me try to understand which one did you want me to do this one for. Okay, just just give me a list of ships you want. Give me a list of mechs you want. <laughs> Let me get started. You name them, color them. I'll just be happy just to see them. <laughs> well, I mean, and and he was on the show last time. Um, yeah. And and he's he's doing some incredibly creative things. I I've known him for a while. I really admire and respect his art. And for you to be able to helping him out to turn that into something three D three D, um, is is uh is is just it blows my mind. You know, and and it makes me think, you know, I'm an I'm an author predominantly, you know, I'm a screenwriter. So how does three D printing relate to me? Well eventually I'm pretty sure based upon what people tell me, uh they may be turning, you know, Dark Side into either a mini series or movies. Well when you do that then you have product tie ins, you have all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um and doing and doing one offs to figure out if this is good looking, if this works out fine. I mean, 3D printing has so much potential. And as you said, I, the, the thing that's making it more and more attractive is the fact that the price is coming down very quickly. You're getting much, much better rendering for much, much cheaper money than, than a year ago and, and so much less than two years ago. So it, it's becoming, no, it already is accessible for the, the, fair, you know, the fairly average consumer. Um, where where do you you know other than you being able to render all of your figures and things like that, um, where where else do you see this working? Because you know here's one of the things that just occurred to me. Um, suppose you wanted to take your stories and make motion comics out of them, but you can make motion comics using the 3D figures. Oh yeah, that that'd be some bad that'd be some badass. Uh, uh, things I almost said that s word. Um, no, we try we try to keep it PG thirteen, but I'm you know I'm stupid. I ain't got the sense of a house plan. But seriously, there, there's so much potential for combining media now. You know, right. all of a sudden you've got your mechs, and let's say you get to the point where you're doing the 3D rendering where you can move, you know, make the legs and the arms movable. So now you've got uh, uh, you know motion capture or or even what is that thing that they they did with Rudolph the Red Nose Rain? Oh, a stop motion, stop motion kind of stuff. Right. Well, I can I mean, let you know in a, a little secret. That's well, a little something that's coming down the line. Another well, thing. as long as you're not revealing anything proprietary that you're going to be mad about, because the eight <laughs> or nine people who listen to this show, they're going to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if well, I'm hoping that if people are liking my stuff, that right. what, what the plans are that's going to be coming out from the Raxon verse. Is that uh-huh. we are planning on doing? Uh, we we have talked about doing uh, web comics. Um, okay. But we are talking about being in the works, and we may start it this year, 
as far as doing uh, an anime. An anime oh, okay. Uh, for it. Sure. So uh, that's something that's definitely uh, in the works because Damone is saying, because we're we planning on getting the motion capture system. Right. It's pretty affordable, it's pretty cheap, and it, it basically does everything that you see that's in the movies when they're doing, like, for the Marvels, how they do the Hulk and everything like that, how you have all these different cameras and all these different sensors. Basically, it's a suit that you put on, and you can use it in your own front room. Does it need all of these different things? And it, it works with a lot of software and even the gaming engines, like a, a Unreal. Uh, crap, I can't think of all these other ones. But it's a it's a lot of it's it's compatible with a lot of different things, and it's a it's a, it's called the if I'm not mistaken the mocap system. And, right. And we're talking about getting that, and that would help as far as doing the anime that we're talking about doing, and we're hoping to have a trailer for it sometime this year. It may be by nice. the time we hit the uh, the cons this year, the con right. cons that we're planning on doing, which is going to be MechaCon, is is one that we're doing uh, for Maya Crown Williams. Um, we're also planning on trying to get to YumaCon, which is a real big one here in Michigan. Uh, uh-huh. And then uh, another one called Fantasticon, which I wanted to be at last year because, year because uh, Jonathan Frakes, William Riker was there, and I wanted I wanted to catch him, you know, to see what's been going on. I was like his voice, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but you know, just to see how these cons are done because, like, pretty much last year, 2015 and 2014 were like my first experiences with them. You know, I always wanted to do them, but I never knew where they were until finally right. I somebody posted and shared it to me, and I said, "Well, why don't you let me know this stuff sooner?" So we said we want to try to get stuff ready to kind of like a release party at these cons this year, to, you know, to get out there. Yeah, to do a full-on rollout. Yeah. Okay. Hey, if you come down to C2E2 next spring, well, wait, yeah, we got one coming up, but that would be short notice. But if you come down next spring, um, I'll take you someplace nice for lunch. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm serious, because I, I, I want to meet as many black creatives before I die as I can. Definitely. Um, for, for the most part, they, they, you know, we are such an engaging and really cool group, you know, and with very few exceptions, I'm not going to mention Samuel Delaney's name, but with very few exceptions, um, they've been, it, it's just, it opens up more of a, a creative world for me. Um, and, and to see you, and, and, and we're really at the ground floor of you busting out not only your creative universe, but exploiting new mediums in which to do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, that's that's pretty cool, and people should keep an eye out on that. So, you know, all of the links we put, pop the links in the um, in the chat room. Uh, I guess keep track of you. You do most of your stuff on Facebook. Is that where most of your yeah? Your, because, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I originally started off just posted a lot of it on DeviantArt, and I I just added my DeviantArt page link to my Raxon page on Facebook so people can see more artwork there as well if they click that. Um, and I'm trying to, I'm in the process of getting the website, the Raxon website redid because it's going to have, we want to have it to where it has a lot of content and where it's going to have the showing of everything that's coming down the line, like from the comic books to any toys that we're going to be cranking out any web you, you comments, think, videos, everything. You think you might want to put your name someplace on the front page of this website? Yeah, 
Um, it starts off with telling uh, the situation that's going on in the Rexon universe. Uh, okay. For those that don't know. It's an, it's an origin story. It's an origin story. And it okay, also cool. it, it talks about the origin um, of how humanity became exposed to this creature. Because the Rexon okay. is a creature. Mm-hmm. Um, and <clears throat> how we it kind of gives a synopsis of how we basically were on the verge. We we had stopped our own wars, but actually we were preparing for our wars with ourselves again. And actually... Mm-hmm almost a war to where humanity probably would have annihilated itself until we came in contact with an alien race that was being pursued by another one. Mm -hmm. And for some reason, we allowed them to come here. And we kind of got into an interstellar war at that point. And then, fast forward, years later, they come back. But at this time, we were already began assimilating technology from the aliens that stayed here that were in mm-hmm. that were on the run, but only mm-hmm. to find out that the, what they were running from were actually their own kind to an extent, like their cousin races. And it began it, in book one. It kind of tells it, book one more so talks about the nuances of the human race, but we give highlights of what's going on with the alien races because with the human races, we're we're colonized on many worlds. And each world has its own division, its own uh, government and everything, but it's all under one. So it's like Eden, the Elite Defense Earth Network, is the main governing body over all of the other divisions, like Alpha Turbine, Armor Tide, uh, Onyx Aquafina. You know, you have all these different ones. But in each one, it has a story that tells you how they how they work, their... Uh, their nuances and everything like that of talking yeah, about yeah, what the relationships are, the pros, the cons, exactly. who's with who, who does what, what are the what are the major areas of conflict. So it's like a, a it it sets it seems like it's setting the stage really well for the whole series. Right, and the way I planned and, on having it was like book one is going to have uh, probably over two hundred pages because it wow. has the ships, it has the characters. And it tells, like, the ships is showing their files, the stats, you know, like all their weapon systems, everything like that. Characters, same things, what division they're with, um, you know, their body size, uh, what do, you know, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. and their own personal profiles of mm-hmm. things that they were key characters in. And mm-hmm. a lot of my characters, you know, are, some of my characters are strong women, you know. I always love strong women in, as far as my characters, but I have linchpins that I've put into my stories so that when I go into the comic books, the linchpins are there. It's like you see a, a consistent consistency of main characters that are always appearing in the comic books. So it's like mm-hmm. the main book is kind of like more, like I was saying, like a source book that's going to tell, you know, the foundation of everything. And like mm-hmm. you see the ships and everything like that, and you see the firepower that they pack and everything like that. And that's the book I said I want to go back to basics on it give a little bit more color and a little more detail into it so it's just not a picture of a ship in the stats, no stars right. behind it or nothing like that. Right. So I'm yeah. going back and filling in those things, and I got Ty going and helping me out with a lot of the editing of it as well because my, my writing, I might have wrote out a lot of stuff, but it's got to be edited. you know. Mm-hmm. So he's helping me a lot with that. So that's a book that I plan on releasing along with my comic books this year. 
and like I said, the linchpins are those main characters that'll be that'll be featured in those comics that people will see as each comic comes out, you know. And I want to have bundle packages as well. But like the the the, the thick books is I have so far. What I have laid out is four of them. Book two is going to be like pretty much the aliens. It's going to show sure. like their star system, all their ships, all their mechs, all their technology, all their characters, the main characters. Well, it's like a, it's like a technical, it's a technical uh, compendium, a technical manual of your creative universe. I mean, there is there is nothing wrong. I mean, that's that's how people get a buy in. You know, when somebody picks up that technical universe and starts reading about the other races and where some have, and then they find where such and such a race appears in the book, or excuse me, appears in the comics. And, and you know, if you do, if you do the animated series and things like that, um, I, I have a friend who's doing something like this, and I know he's not going to be upset that I mention this, but one of the things that he's doing with his manual is he's also building up a, an up-to-date resource online. So it's almost like a, a visual wiki of, of where his creative universe is going. And one of the things that he's doing in the books and his comics, because he's doing both just like you, is he's putting in those QR codes. So if somebody just hits the QR code, they go right to the page on the website where all of that stuff is. You know, And when you draw it all together like that, that's a lot of traffic. That's a lot of good traffic with people checking out your stuff. So you know, there's there's an idea. You don't have to use it, but uh, you know, we're Sounds we're doing good. this for his creative universe because um, one thing that you can do on a website that you can't do in a book is change something on the fly. True. You know, you know, I've got uh, I got 28 uh, typos in my first book, and I'm thinking, gee, do I want to spend six hundred dollars and change all those? I don't know. You know. Right. So, um, yeah, but that's pretty cool. Um, I like the cover. Uh, again, your artwork. Hello. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, is this is this your artwork on book the 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 cover on book one? Yeah, I had what it happened with that the uh, that logo. Yes, I had input on it. The one that I originally designed looks way different. So I had uh, found okay. one guy named uh, I can never pronounce his name Johannes Permati, and we kind of. I kind of drew some stuff out, and he said, "Okay, let me see if I can give you, if I can add a little bit of creativity to it because he wanted to do sure. it a little different." Right. And when he did that, I said, "There it is." <laughs> there you go. Isn't it great when when your vision, someone sees your vision and puts it out there, and you go, "That's exactly what I was thinking of." Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you know, you you know, you talk about this as the big book. Um, and then you've got the comic tie-ins and, and whatever else that comes up later, you know, whether it's animation or, or whatever. Um, what, where would the second book be going? Just more, more of the you know, like newly discovered or newly written aspects that weren't in the first one? Or how, how are you going to plan that out? And do you even have an idea right now what your, your arc is going to be? How many volumes do you think you'll have? Oh, yeah, I already have them. When I say I've been working on the Raxon story for years, like I said, this goes right. back to the 90s, this is stuff that's been written out already. It's basically just going back and making subtle changes here and there. Like I say, all the alien ships, like really I already have all four the thick books that I plan on having. 
wow. are basically broken up into chapters. Originally, uh-huh. it was uh, 12 books, 12 different books. They were all, uh-huh. what, I, what I said I'd do is, instead of making them 12, I'll just make each book, I'll just put uh, three chapters in each book. It's a okay. thick book. And I said, in this way, I can have more content in one book versus trying to do all this extra stuff and fill in stuff into the smaller books. And this way, it's, it, it can tell a lot more, and it breaks it down into story arcs because each chapter takes place over years. So this mm-hmm. goes all the way up to the fourth book, because the story has a beginning and an end, a beginning and an end in the Raxon mm-hmm. universe, Dominion. Then I actually have it to where it goes into the Raxon Wars, which is a whole nother story arc. And a lot of mechs that, some of the mechs that people are seeing aren't in Raxon Universal Dominion. They're actually from the Raxon Wars, which comes way later. And mm-hmm mechs and ships and all of that and stats and everything I already have. So it's like basically it's just formatting right now is what I've been just doing for these books. It's just uh, getting everything formatted. Uh, the chapters have already been written. It's sure. just, make, just adding in just more content, just more filler content mm-hmm. and more characters that I might have had the stats for, just now right. bringing them out and uh, putting them to paper so that people can see everything. So like book yeah. two, it's already I'm already formatting it. I already have the template for it and everything like that, all the drawings, and it's just adding. It's it's already close to 200 pages in that book. So mm-hmm. when book one launches, by the time book one launches, book two will be pretty much almost right behind it, as well as book Very three cool. and four. Very cool. And, and how do you how do you feel about I mean you started off as an artist but now you you know you've gotten to the point where you have to be a storyteller. How do you feel about your storytelling? Um, is it are are you about where you want to be? Are you still learning the art? I mean obviously as as creatives hopefully we're learning for the rest of our lives. You know it's not like right. we all of a sudden stop and say shoot I know everything now. Um, but but how how do you feel about that aspect of storytelling? Um, definitely still learning. Um, just trying uh-huh. to find you know, just trying to make sure I I, I don't want to go. Like I like to get keep stuff kind of like a basic, but just like the old school Star Wars capture your your you know your imagination kind of thing, but not mm-hmm. so detailed to where every single aspect has to be answered. You know, right. like you look at some sci-fi and it's like they got to just tell you the answer to every single thing in it. With certain oh, things, man. I like yeah. to just be like, it's there. It happened. They did it. You know, like mm-hmm. people say, how mm-hmm. can they build a Death Star? How long did that take? Why are you worried about it? It's there. It took a long yeah. time. It wasn't done overnight. I don't want to know oh. what one of the plans <laughs> of it. It's there. Show it in action. Who was the subcontractor? Yeah, right. who got the electrical contract? Exactly. Uh, uh, and you know, and and when they built that gun, you know, how many how many work days did they have without an accident? You know, right. yeah, no, how I know much copper did they use? Where did they get that? Oh from? man, <laughs> I I have actually read books where like the first page tired my ass out. There was so much exposition in it. It's like you know that they're they're talking about well why did she wear that color to her you know on her socks and and stuff like this and and they're going on and on and on it's like it's that's not storytelling that's like uh, that's like that's like Wikipedia you know right so yeah it there there is there there is a, a a fine edge of balancing between telling a good story and what have you um, and and who you know you mentioned that Tyrone's helping you a little bit with your writing um, have you 
again, I, I'm kind of curious, did you read up on writing or are you kind of just having a more organic kind of experience with it where you're letting it happen and then refining it as you go along? What's, tell us a little bit about your process. Pretty much like what you just said, you know, it's when I when I've been writing doing my comics, it's been like I when I draw when I'm drawing them out and storyboard, which is a Tyrone used to get into me about that. He's like, why don't you write them out first and then draw? Them? For me, it's kind of like the backwards. I have to draw it out because as I'm visualizing it, I'm picturing it, and I'm actually picturing it like as if it's actually happening. So mm-hmm, like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like I'm there and I'm looking at you know, the angles, which naturally can be always changed, but the conversations of what's being said, how it's being said, you know, and I always look at it when I'm in those worlds, I'm looking at it as in the sci-fi world, you know, not so right. much just the world of right now, but we're in a war. So what's being said in these types of situations that in a sci-fi universe, you know, from just things that you see that you just always like to see and those kind of things with, with just those things. And, you know, for me, it's pulling those conversations out and putting them there, you know, and sometimes it may not be as grammatically great. I try to get my commas and everything in there and try to put this, but sometimes it's it's just the language of, you know, we don't always talk proper, you know. Well, that that's true. And and if, if, if we were to examine the art of dialogue, um, dialogue is tough to write if you're new to it, because a lot of people want to write the way people speak, and that's almost unreadable. Like if we did a transcript of this show, you know, you say words, sometimes I say words over your words and stuff like that. We both know what we're talking about and answering each other's questions, but it's it's hard to read. So you know, doing dialogue is always always a little tough. Um, I, I like the fact that you're you're able to organically go about the art of writing a story because sometimes that's, you know, kind of hard to do because, you know, people will write stuff and then they fall in love with it and then they won't improve it or change it or edit it. And, you know, the, the thing about commas, you know, you, you, you go and you buy yourself a it's, it's, and it's is kind of editor. You know what I mean? You get to that point where, it, well, it's the same way. You would draw your mix and then have somebody else color them because that was not your your top skill set, and you knew that other people could do a better job of it. And, and it's the same way for for writing. You know, the, 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 the woman who edits my stuff, she, I'll make the same mistake about eight or nine times in a manuscript or, you know, 50 or 80 or 100 times in there. And, of course, she'll write a snarky little note like, you know, why do you keep doing this? And I go, because when I wrote it, your ass wasn't in the room editing it while I was writing it. So I didn't know when I did it for the hundredth time that you didn't like it. So, I mean, it, it, it's a learning process, man. And, it, you know, hopefully it doesn't get to the point, you know, especially for me, where it's not fun. You know, right. you want to be a storyteller. You know, you want you want to show people, yeah, I got some pretty badass art. And I got a, I, I got what I think is a good story to go along with it. And I think that's the essence of the, the the positive feedback for the creative process. And, of course, the other essence of the positive feedback for, for a creative po- uh, process is getting some money in your pocket. You know, mm-hmm. this, is, this, is, this is why we do what we do. Otherwise, we would be writing, you know, doing sketchbooks at home and no one would see them or writing right. diaries, you know. Um, so, again, uh, positive feedback is important, but, but you, you hopefully don't get past – 
the point where it's not fun. You know, hopefully right. you're not going to run into that that plateau again where you're just going to go, you know, screw this. I got to step back. I got to go make some money. I got to go drink. I got to go, you know, do right. what I have to do and get away from it so that I can clear my mind. Um, I'm excited for you because it, you got so much cool stuff. I mean, the 3D stuff is is so great. I mean, to just watch, and I hope you keep, I hope you post stuff at BSFS to show us your progress because that's exciting, and that also gives other people ideas. You know, yeah. other people are going to think, you know, look what he did. I think I can do this. You know, mm-hmm. um, so we're getting to the point where the software. I know the part that you don't like yet because you don't, I mean, you haven't mastered it. Obviously, it's not as right. much fun. But if you can get to the point where you translated your, your hand skills to mouse, keyboard, and pointer skills, that, you know, once you get to that point, think of, think of how creative you're going to be. You know, it's going to be a race between you and your bud over who's going to be able to render the coolest-looking ship. And I think that, again, that gives you another kick in the pants for the fun part. Yeah. You know? Yeah, um, I definitely look forward to it. Yeah, so um, we're we got about uh, we got about five more minutes, and then we're going to bring Jarvis in. But let me ask you this: mm-hmm. as you're sitting here right now in Detroit, and and I'm sorry you live in Detroit, but okay, it's fine. <laughs> I guess it's okay. It's not like Flint where the the water was making your brain dissolve or where right. it was. There was, you know, and and he knew that that was oh. you know. Anyways, the governor set it up so that a whole town was drinking lead-tainted water. Yeah. That's what you need to know about Republican governors. All right, enough politics. But as you sit there in your chair, you know, where do you think you're going to be five years from now? What do you think is going to be the, the kind of cool part? You know, where do you think you will have arrived in five years? Five years? Yeah. In five years, what I, what I would really like is I would hope uh-huh. that the demand is even greater for for me. What you have today. Yeah, for what you're working on today. Yep, that people will want to see more. You know, uh-huh. that they'll just be saying, Thomas, you got to do some more. I want to see some more stuff. Put out some more comics. Put out another book. Uh, we got to see some more web comics. Uh, you can't stop with this one anime. I got to see some more. I'm thirsty for some more. You know, mm-hmm. that's where I'm hoping that because it's going gonna, it's gonna to drive me even further then I'm I'm already being driven. You know, I got people behind me saying, uh, don't stop here, keep on going. You know, we see what comics, we see all these names of these comics you, you plan on releasing. Get to them, you know. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping that people will want to see a lot more from me and that will continue my dream, you know, as far as uh, getting a product out there that people are enjoying, that they're happy with, and that, they can say, uh, you know, this takes me back, or this this is something that they've been wanting to see for a long time, and that I'm mm-hmm. saying that that I, that I'm able to to keep everything in that consistency, you know, to where it's like it's not deviating to where it just went corporate, you know, and I right. got all these other people writing all these stories that don't have anything to do with it, and I'm not talking about people that's friends of mine, but the corporate aspect where it's just okay, just about making money only, and the soul right. of the story is gone. Well, let me, that's a good question to ask you, though. What if uh, what if Disney comes to you and says, "Oh man, we're really sorry about that other thing where we didn't <laughs> want you. Um, here, here's a big fat ass check for you, and we want we want to uh, take over your stuff." At this point, I would imagine that you would say, "Forget about it. I got too much stuff to do ahead of me. 
But what if you get to the point where, you know, things are fairly mature. Let's say you've got all four of the volumes out, you know, of the big books and and the comics are self-sustaining. You know, do you think that there's a chance that you might be be in a position to say, okay, fine, I can let go of this because I can always create something else, you know, even even cooler. Um, how do you feel about your intellectual property? Are you really proprietary about it and you don't see yourself ever letting it go? Or do you think that you've got enough other cool creative things in your head that, yeah, I can let this go because I can do X, Y, or Z or get away from this completely and do something different? Well, with that, I'm a little on the 50-50. Because okay, yeah, you, like you don't know. It could happen. It might not happen. Yeah, and also it's the thing of, you know, yeah, money is great. A lot of money right. is greater, but it's right. not the thing that always makes you happy. Right. You know, because yeah. it's like... Tell, tell that to the lotto winners. Right. Uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because the fun was building everything, and sometimes it's not just to give it away. You know, Sure. sometimes it could be all the money in the world. Not that I've experienced that, but, yeah. you know, the thought of it is just, Sometimes it's just saying, you know, it can be the satisfaction of just knowing they approached me and said, you know, we want it. We want to give you X right. amount of dollars for it. Not gonna, I, I'm in a position to say no. You know, some people may say, you're crazy. How could you? Right. How would you create all this stuff and then just say no to it? But sometimes it's just about, you know, well, who says they're the only ones that's going to ask for it? You know, yeah. maybe I don't want to give it to just them. You know, it's a and lot I, of different things. Yeah, I go through the same thing, you know, as a creative. You know, if if somebody came to me, if Warner Brothers, you know, really picked up on the interest that they expressed a few years ago, and if somebody came to me and said, you know, we want to option Dark Side, we want to take uh take these these uh, books to movies. Here's here's a ridiculous amount of money. Here's ten million dollars, William. Would I do it? And and you know, as I sit here. You know, I'm even ambivalent about that. You know, obviously, ten million dollars is enough money to retire on. Right. Um, but and and you know, Dark Side was the first thing I ever did. But can I not do something creative that would be just as good? Uh, you know, there's a there's a, like I'm like you, fifty fifty chance. Yeah, I could probably push out something else that is just as cool. But you know, it is my baby. You know, and 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 I know you. I mean, look at all the stuff, the potential you have. I can I can't imagine you not sitting back and saying, you know, I really got to think about this. This is my right. baby, but you know, so I guess that's you know, it's a, it's a wish that somebody's going to come to you and say, hey, I like your stuff so bad, so much that we really want to take it to another level. But then it's it's tough to let go of your baby, so. I, you know, I, I understand exactly how you feel, but you know what? If they upped it to a hundred million dollars, you all would have a hard ass time ever finding me. I'm not gonna yeah. lie. If I had a hundred million dollars in my pocket, they'd be going, "What happened to that Genesis sci-fi show?" Nah, I don't yeah, know. You know that that too. that boy just disappeared. I think he got hit by a bus or something. So, so it, 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 I mean, it's it's hard, and and people go, "Oh, money isn't everything." Yeah, say that when you don't have it. Now, that's the tough part. Well, that's the tough part because, you know, business people will try to get you at your lowest True. so that they can maximize their profits. And like you said about, you know, this is why a lot of creatives don't understand about contracts and about, 
you know, retain a lawyer for your first contract so that they could go through it and tell you if there's something in there that could trip them up. And it's tough because it's tough to spend money on a lawyer at the very beginning. True. But it, it really works out in the long run. Dude, we ran out of time. This went too fast. Uh, we'll have to have <laughs> you back. So, well, no, I'm serious. I mean, did it feel like two hours to you? No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty good. We'll we'll just say it that. But um, I, I want to thank you, man. This was a great this was a great show. You gave us so much about how you got where you got, what you do to do, you know to do what you're doing, and then where you think you're going. All of those are really important things that I think creatives need to hear. And it's also good. It's especially good when we're able to interview and talk to black creatives who who are going to make a difference or they're already making a difference and people who've got creative minds. You know, here's the deal. For the most part, we don't exist. You know, in America's lexicon, there's no regular, you know, creative black folks, you know, except for some actors or maybe some a couple writers, you know. But the people who are putting in so much time and effort, look at the, at the innovative things you're doing. You know, you're in 3D technologies, which is right at the cutting edge. And I want to thank you for being here and sharing all of, your, uh, all of, all of what you did with everybody on the show. So um, thank you, you know, uh, and I want everybody to check out, you know, try to find you on uh, Facebook. You're going to look for uh, Thomas Johnson II. He's got the RacksOnUniversalDominion.com website, R-A-X-O-N, RacksOnUniversalDominion.com. To check out, you know, some of the things that are happening uh, with you. And then, of course, keep us posted. You know, obviously, I tell everybody, post up on um, the BSFS events calendar when you're going to be at any of these conf- uh, co- uh, conferences and um, conventions. Definitely. So that people can stop by and see you. And like I said, if you make it to C2E2, hell, all of you come here, I'll take you all for breakfast. We're going to go to uh, this nice little place around the corner here, and we're going to have that uh, country, uh, what is that, that country breakfast with um, biscuits, gravy, country fried steak, eggs your way, potatoes, what have you. So, I, yes, I will. You guys can try to come and break my bank, but it ain't <laughs> happening. We're going to have a good breakfast. Thomas, man, thank you very, very much. I really appreciate you being here. Oh, and, thank uh, you. Have I hope we see you all again. And uh, let's see. It's time for Jarvis to slide on here, say his goodbyes, and um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll continue and catch you on the next show. But go ahead, Jarvis. All right. Uh, we pretty much covered everything. but So I just want to keep it really brief and thank everyone for participating on this. And Thomas, thank you for your time. I mean, um, the stuff that you shared with us is really invaluable, and that's what the show is about. It's about sharing um, information with each other about what we're doing. Not We're not talking about random crazy topics and what else we're talking about. People that are actually out here doing what uh what we say we want to see and what we what we want to do and so we want to continue to share that with each other um and support each other in all these endeavors that we're doing whether it's animation art um writing whatever it's great to have people on like you that share your um products and experiences with everyone else so thank you very much. And also, like I said, thank everyone for participating. Thanks, William, for uh, making it entertaining, as always. Um, 
And that's pretty much it, man. I, I, I really am excited about the things that people are doing here on the site. Definitely. Definitely. And then um, oh. as soon as Jarvis closes out the show and we stop the recording, just hang on for a couple minutes if anybody has any last-minute questions in the chat room, okay? Okay. All, All right. right. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Remember, you can pick up this podcast on our um, YouTube channel as well as our TalkShoe channel. And uh, for the most part, this show is every Friday night beginning right around 9 Eastern. Tell your friends, listen live, and, uh, you know, join the conversation. Thank you, everybody, and I hope everyone has a great weekend ahead or whenever you pick this up. Good night. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.